Hello and welcome to You Set the Tone, the podcast that takes an x-ray to the medical drama show ER. We examine the show with surgical precision and celebrate the high pressure and beating hearts of the show. My name is Sharon. I'm Ed. And I'm Sean. And on today's episode, we are talking about Shades of Grey, season four, uh, episode 19. Before we go into that, though, we do have a little announcement, um, which I think let's just, you know, put it out there because then you rip know, the bandaid yeah. band off. Um, life's crazy for us at the moment. Things are busy and mad and we want to give you quality and be able to dedicate time to this, which at the moment we're not able to in the way we'd like. So we have decided that after um, we get to the season four finale, we're going to go in on indefinite hiatus. Um, so, you know, totally open to the possibility of coming back when things are a bit calmer in our lives yeah. but and this is no reflection on you guys you know the, the the fans we've absolutely loved doing this and we love each other we're not breaking up forever we just yeah. need to take we still love you yeah. we still we, love you we still love each other we still love you well like Except you, and you know who you are. You know um, who you are. And <laughs> what you did. Exactly. You, did. Yes. you know, if you think I that you had no... I nothing wrong with it. I don't know why you, you've been oh. so PC and snowflakey about it. Uh, yes, absolutely. Just to uh, echo what Sharon was saying there, this, was, this is something we love doing so much, and we love putting together the episodes. We love preparing, and we love bringing you you know, our insights as we can. And it is now getting to a stage where we are three wonderful individuals with three wonderfully individual schedules as well, which has, uh, not not to be too negative about it, in a nice way, things have picked up. We have projects going. It's, it's great. It's fun. But finding that time yeah. where the three of us can get together has, unfortunately, it's become a little bit, a, a little bit, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here. Hairy, not hairy. I like it. I like not it. Hairy. Um, a little bit. It, it's just become a bit tougher. You know, troublesome. Yeah. Um, it's just not been as easy. We've just so busy. Yeah. And to to borrow a line from Matthew Perry, you know, the two when he broke up with Julia Roberts, he said we were the oh. two busiest people on the planet, trying to find time for each other, and it just didn't work. And I think that's kind of sadly a little bit what's happened here. I didn't know they dated. <laughs> wow. So I'm learning a lot. Yes. I didn't know about this, listeners. They've sprung it. No, I am obviously <laughs> kidding. Um, <laughs> talk to I'm not that Damn it, I was going to get that joke in. <laughs> um, obviously, we're sad for, for it to take a hiatus, but for fear of turning this into an echo chamber, um, I, I've personally loved doing it. I've loved spending time with these beautiful human beings. So beautiful. So beautiful. I'm blinded by the beauty. Painfully beautiful one, my Yeah, I'm getting more short-sighted because you guys are so beautiful. <laughs> it's actually affecting my visual acuity. But anyway, um, uh, and like, you know, we love how much people have engaged with it. We've got a few people who will always comment, will always say stuff. And we've had our little engagements with some of the actors, which has been cool. I mean, um, I mean, Parminder Nagra, you know, she shared our story quite yeah. early on. Oh, yeah. Um, we had Benton and Carter, you know, basically reunite on our page. We had a lovely conversation between Jeannie and Al. Um, you know, yeah, it, it, absolutely. We've, we've had uh, moments where actors, I, I remember um, 
uh, Jerry, uh, you know, Jerry Abraham, kind ben of, yeah. Abraham Ben Ruby said it was confused about a picture he couldn't remember being in that <laughs> shot in that you know just little things like yeah, that yeah. It, it, but as well as having obviously you fans kind of comment and love stuff and support us and and, and really show up for us which has yeah. which has been very much appreciated and we definitely yeah. love all of you and all of that yeah so we're not sure when we're not sure how and maybe if I win the euro millions tomorrow night tonight 55 million pounds I could just stole out a few quids to you guys and that's it this is our full-time Perfect. career yeah so that's what we're hoping on yeah if he does that then please ignore this message because we are coming back and <laughs> absolutely we're be awesome. yeah. or but enjoy the horrendously badly edited hello and welcome to- and then what we actually thought is this thing happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so, um yeah. so yeah that that's kind of our news um should we get into the episode? I think that's Let's get into the episode there. before so, I burst into tears and shades ugly of grey. There's a lot mm-hmm. of shades of grey in this episode. Sure I'm is. gonna I'm gonna start us off with Benton because I feel like he is so the storyline is the big one this week, I think, is him, and everything kind of happens around that. But I'm gonna start with Benton and folding kind of Corday Romano and obviously Morgan Stern in that. Um so we kind of the bit moment we meet Benton, we know everything that's been going on. We kind of have Morgan Stern talking to him about the fact that, you know, the MM&M is coming and he'd read, Morgan Stern read Benton's report and thought it was all very professional. And it, it's this weird shock of professionality, which which confuses me because what did he expect Benton to do? You know, be like, well, yeah. then this Morgan Stern ripped this out. My, you know, of course he's going to be professional. That is benton um it's peter through and through isn't it it's like the whole the whole kerfuffle happened because peter wanted to do the job right now doing the job right happens to be saving the man's life or at least attempting to yeah um and yeah so we know from the off that morgan stern is feeling very guilty which if he had done everything right Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. exactly and what i thought was really fu- not funny but interesting is they kind of have this moment where peter and morgan are on one side and romano and cordae are on the other and it's it's a real polar opposite because cordae and romano have just done this awesome like surgery and they're p- hyped up and everything's really great with them and romano who does is again quite gross in this episode because Ugh. he keeps trying to take cordae you have this moment where he's mm. like we want to go celebrate well all right i'll just get her a hot dog instead but later he asks her out for a drink so you know, you still got that really, uh, just that icky situation yeah. happening there. Um, and the next we kind of see, uh, you know, Benton and Morgan Stern is they're actually at the M M&M and M, uh, and and Morgan Stern says, you know, we're not. This is not to linger on missteps. This is all about being being a teaching tool. Um, and then Benton kind of steps up to speak, um, and questions are obviously starting to be asked. And, and we see Kason. Kason's back. I haven't seen him for a while. I, I couldn't remember his name, which I'm quite quite glad about. And I just wrote my notes. That heart doctor asshole is there. That's, that is his official given Christian heart name. Heart doctor so, asshole. Yeah. yeah. I was Jason. actually laughing when the credits were coming up in the beginning. I saw Sam Anderson, and I knew straight away. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And completely forgot about Casey. <laughs> so I was like, and then when I saw him sitting in the report, I was like, oh, of course, of course, it's Casey. It will come back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know with the greatest of respect to Sam Anderson. I. I don't know why I was able to identify him from like Lost and Angel straight away, as opposed to 
the show I've mm. been watching for the last couple of years where he has appeared many times. I would hazard a guess and say it's because you do not really care about ER and that's the truth and that's what's coming that's out why, now. That's why I'm out, that's lads, why, to be yeah. honest with you. Like, I mean, wow. I'm literally here for the Clooney, you know, and I'm, I am tapping out before we even need to risk losing Clooney because apparently some some Kovac guy is going, I just couldn't be, you know, couldn't be bothered. <laughs> and Malucci. Ugh, what the ever My man? husband and my side piece. <laughs> God. Sorry. <laughs> Was that too much, Sharon? No, just, I, I, just that's what I'm going to leave it on. <laughs> Perfect. Just. Um, so then we have, so, you know, they're at this M&M, you know, case that everybody's kind of asking questions. And and I have to say, I thought Benton was trying so hard to try mm. and be as fair as possible and not say the thing, which actually ends up being kind of his downfall, which is sad. But what I didn't like is the undertones of kind of, I don't know, racism I felt in there, this real sense of angry, you know, painting him as an angry black man who Kaysen yes. says a number of times, mm. keeps using the word, he battered oh, you. Oh, yeah, and he committed he committing you. battery. It was Kaysen who was driving that whole line. Yeah. And I just, it's, was like, you weren't there. Yeah. And and stop saying battery. He, yeah, yeah. he moved him out of the way. But, you know, words are powerful and battery just to me felt like such, it was a way of really escalating it and making it a, we have to suspend Benton. There's no other way. And I just wondered how much of kind of the stereotype of an angry black man played into mm. any of that. And kind of, you would take a lot less from a black person than you would a right. white person you know would this have come up in the same way would you say battery if, if he'd been white as uh, whether you're conscious or unconscious of it for me that's what I felt was underneath a lot of that which was distasteful um it's one of those things where I would love you to be wrong love it yes. I would absolutely love this to be like what a wild reading this it but you can't and whether you know because obviously Morgenstern has to be there Weaver has to be there yeah Okay, they they elected to bring Kaysen back, but every face looking at Benton looks mm. a certain way. Absolutely. You know, not supposed to find a point on it. Mm. And I wonder how deliberate a decision that was. Yeah. Behind not the to have Hicks there, not to have, you know, yeah. any other maybe doctor of colour or whatever, but like, and I think, yeah, Hicks, like, it's just sad mm. she wasn't there because. Mm. Well, yeah, we love her. But um and the Morganstone does that thing where I think he I don't think he really realized how far it would go because they talk about suspension and he's very much against it and saying, no, no, you know, trying to soften it as much as possible, which leads to questions towards him and he ends up having to kind of put his hands up and and I don't know how it must feel for Benton, who, you know, he says about Morganstone that, that he was his mentor and he taught him so much and that he's he really respects him and has really fought for him. And then to have him lie and mm. and and stand by this suspension when he knows the truth, I think is just heartbreaking. Yeah, and it's it. really on Benton, you know, it's really on Eric LaSalle's face. I think he he plays that bit so well. Yeah. Um, and because Morgan Stern, the nice thing I will say about him before we get to the end, but up to this point, it's that he is trying to downplay things. He is yeah. trying to now, obviously, he makes the point himself, which we'll get to. But he he was not prepared, I think, for 
how quickly the line of questioning would take the route that it does. Yes. Which yeah. Peter's backed into a corner. Like he is absolutely yeah. backed by the line of questioning. He has to respond. And by not jumping to Peter's defense, it's a live omission. Yeah, and there's a real sense of he said, he said in it as well, because, you know, we've got Morganstone saying, no, no, the viruses, the viruses, and Benton's are actually, no, it was this, and because we don't have the tape, you know, they're all obviously going to side with Morganstone um, because of seniority and all other things. Um, so so it, it's just a really, oh, it's just, I, I was heartbroken kind of watching it because this this is everything for Benton and Benton does play by the rules and he is Mr. You know, fair and square and I'm going to work as hard as I can and he's dedicated so much of his life to this. What is really lovely though throughout kind of the whole episode is we do have this kind of, we see him and Corday and their relationship really blossoming and developing you know he goes to her and says this is what's happening I've been suspended and she wants to stay and help him but you know something comes in she has to leave but there's that real sense that's who he goes to talk to and tells about what's going on yeah. and later she does the same thing and I think that is just really a really sweet way yeah. of kind of just peppering that in here and there, sprinkling a bit of that kind of magic, which I think is needed in this point. What I love is, you know, Benton is leaving and Green, you know, the traumas are coming in and Green says, where are you going? And he says, I'm off home. And Green laughs because he's like, of all the people who would slack off, never him. Yeah. He's like, no, no, you know, I've been suspended. And, and Green does that thing when this is where we love Green, where he just does not buy me. I not buy it. me, you carry on, you get your gloves and you are coming with us, you know, which... Which is another get again a real, and I just love these interplays between the OG characters. You know, this real. Yeah. We don't always see them together, but they do have each other's back in these moments, and 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 that and that connection is still there. So, you know, he brings Benton back, and and so Benton ends up because they can't. Um, you know, the the, the patient is basically bleeding out, and and mm -hmm. and Benton has to hold on to him while they take them upstairs to actually be. Um, you know going to surgery he ends up having to go back on to surgery and we see we see case and you know questioning it what's going on here yeah. and they're like he's literally holding this person together yeah you cannot get them to stand him to stand away and it allows for this moment where you know benton is just kicking ass in that surgery and you know taking names and getting this <laughs> sorted and Morgan Stern comes in and he gets to really see how on fire Benton is. And it, yeah. it and it drives the next part of the bit, you know, part of the what why Morgan Stern ends up where he is towards the end, you know, because he sees Benton, who's just full of life, full of energy, full of passion, loves what he's doing, is good at what he's doing. Yeah. There's a there there is a because I suppose spoiler, Benton Benton will be all right, right? But there's a bittersweet <laughs> ending to this because it takes it's not that it takes the death of a patient even benton makes the point it was one act it was one all right yes it was an accident but this is a hospital where we've talked on this podcast before about how it's very sad people die think all the mm -hmm. way season one mark green love labor's lost you mm -hmm. know it happens and so benton is basically starting to make that point to morganstern mm. But it's bittersweet because he is able to go that it took his own MI plus 
not being able to see the wood for the trees a little bit. Yeah. And then almost, almost sacrificing the career of another doctor for him to be able to go, I need to hang up my, I need to hang up my scrubs here. This is, Mm -hmm. this is no longer the right place for me. Um, Now he says he's going to resign as the chief of emergency medicine, which is, I mean, it is absolutely the right decision. It doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stop practicing medicine. I mean, he could go into private practice, he could go into anything, but emergent medicine is very obviously no longer the place for him. And even yes. he's been a bit like Benton in that he's kind of done that. He's walked those two halls. He's walked the halls of the ER and the OR. Yes. Yes, absolutely. He's really set that the, the, set that path in motion. And we really see how close actually Benton and how much Benton admires him. You know, in this episode, we get that moment with Morganstone and Weaver, which I just thought was so he has the videotape and we find out the reveal yes. of the fact that actually it wasn't just that he was trying to downplay in in the um, morning session. He also actually has something that exonerates. So he, by this point, fully well knows. That's what the reveal was for me. At that point, I was thinking, at the beginning when, it, when he's kind of trying to play it down, I didn't realise he he had the tape and had viewed it and knew. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. realise yeah. until later and you go, ah, actually, now I see the morning even, it's even worse the morning because you did, you really did know it wasn't, it wasn't Benton. Um, but he, but then, you know, he does redeem himself in the fact that he's, he called Weaver up and as Weaver says, you know, right, you've called me up because you want, you don't want to hide this. You're not yeah. going to, you know, you need to do something with this and that's why you've called me up. So, he does redeem himself in that in that moment, even though you know. As as a chief of emergency medicines go, he's definitely one of the better ones, and yeah. he only killed one patient. <laughs> yeah, um, and almost only ruined on, uh, just one career. You know, exactly, compared to yeah. some others yeah. that would that would that come up. But um, we get another beautiful rain scene, don't we? Where yes, we do. Where we get uh, you know the mentor and the mentee in this moment and Benton is talking to you know Morganston comes out and he says I have two acts as uh you know chief of emergency medicine one is that I have reinstating you and I've come clean and you know actually hands him the tape so he's got the tape and the proof that exonerates him and then he says and the second is is you know to to leave I'm gonna resign and Benton is heartbroken Mm -hmm. and they have that lovely scene where they talk about, you know, Benton says, but you taught me everything, you know, you were my kind of guiding star and now you're going, like, what yeah. does that mean for me? And Which, he, yeah. here's another thing, like, in a way, Benton has every right, possibly to hate him, but certainly to resent him at yes. this point, certainly yeah. to resent him. And when, when he goes to Corday's apartment in the end and he is visibly upset and she's like, what? And he's like, I lost my mentor today. And, you know, it's almost being treated like a death. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, it's another example of just how seriously Benton takes what he does. Like it is, yeah. it's his vocation. Yeah. And, and, and a religion in a way, you know, this is yes. his God who is now turned yeah. in and is leaving. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's just what I thought was was really um, 
really beautiful is it, that then propels Benton to kind of, well, sorry, two things. First, when Morganstone is talking to Benton, a huge reason why he's decided to do what he's do is because he says, I saw your passion, you know, you basically reminded me of what it used to, I used to be like, and maybe yeah. that means I don't belong here anymore. And, and which is, is, is again, you know, very bittersweet to hear that somebody saw your passion and your dedication, but that then makes them leave. The person yeah. you love is leaving. But then what happens is it, it spurs Benton, because as you say, it's treated very much like a death and he turns up at, at Corday's house and it's willed him to go, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm losing him and I don't ever get to say to him how much he meant to me and all that which I thought was a bit odd because he literally just a just did but also he's still there and alive anyway um you know well maybe because for Benton if you leave the ER you're dead to him and I can't talk <laughs> yeah, to you anymore basically yeah. um, so he and then he basically that propels him to go you know I want to tell people how I feel and then he kisses her and we get this lovely steamy rain kiss which Ooh. I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I kind of felt felt some um, felt some feelings. Good. Okay. Temperature was rising for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But finally, you know, it, sometimes it does, doesn't it? It takes a real shock for you to go, yeah. "Hang on, this is what really is really important in my life," and yeah. and we finally get that them to kind of, in a way, uh, like Benton losing quote unquote Morganstern is a bit like Morganstern's MI. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. It is true. He's, he's, it's shocked him into actually, hang on, what is real? What's life? What is, you know, and he doesn't want to have a second without Corday again. So they are. They are on. They are on. Because Corday herself has had a tough day. You know, she's, yes, she had that brilliant in the morning. She had that brilliant moment with Romano. Yeah. But then Alison comes in, you know, Alison, who, I know. who she oh. has nursed back to health practically, you know. Did anyone else feel, oh, for God's sake, as yes. she was wheeled in? Perhaps <laughs> that is it. quite blunt on my part, but I was like, no. wait, we, we have just sent you out. Yes. Like, yeah. did, was it necessary to have this, to bring her back and do a this? Little you know? I, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Of all the people. like It's like they had Jeannie's bag again of bad stuff. What can we do to <laughs> Alison or Corday, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so she gets brought in, you know, she's she's again, you know, in, in real trouble and Corday's faced with the fact that she's basically put this woman together and now she's fallen apart. And what it really illustrates, luckily, you know, um, Corday was in the room because you know they're in the surgery and Romano's like let's call it it's done and Corday just she calls him a prick which you know he's being a prick oh, I loved I mean like now Romano being Romano you're kind of like mm. when she says that it's like he's as petty as they as they get like but yeah. I mean like he apologizes I know I thought, oh gosh, he's going to hold this against you for the rest yeah. of your life. But no, he actually comes out and he says, you were right because Alison lives, which, you know, to me is just like scary if I was a doctor and I tried to call something and then they ended yeah. up living, you know. You know. Um, but then, so she lives, which is great. But then we have this scene between Corday and Benton where she's been very vulnerable with him and she says, you know, you we we treat them and put them back together but we can't keep them that way and it's yeah. it's that failing not the failing that the issues of being a doctor the hard parts of being a doctor is is that you know you can do so much 
but you can't keep people safe. Yeah, you know, no. you can't, she couldn't keep Alison safe, and it's, the limits uh, were there, weren't they? It, it, it's a bit like in a completely in, in another context altogether, but the frustration of a caregiver when, say, someone who is in a vulnerable position keeps coming back and you yeah. think they're fine yes. and you can't, and then they're, and then they're back again. Uh, and I would say in a totally, totally, totally different scenario. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching a lot of Euphoria at the moment. All right, just just to throw oh, that I need to watch that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's, oh, it's, I don't. I'm glad I'm not. It it's is not as heavy as as it as it gets. Uh, and oh, there is that man, kind of but... like, oh god, no, not again, not again. Um, which is I why I love Zendaya. She's so good. She's so good in it. Yeah. But yeah, I there was that moment where just just before she calls Romano a prick. <laughs> if it was any other patient, would she have continued? Would she, yeah, she yeah. might. I mean, yeah, it's another one of those. Who was right? Who was wrong? Now, we got to see the outcome. So it's easy to go, oh, well, Corday was right. Of course she was right. She was right to keep going. And then, but in the same episode, there is a patient who is deprived of oxygen for only a few, you know, a very seemingly yeah. short time. And it's game over. Yeah, that's it. That oh. is what is is really tricky to know. And yeah. an interesting thing that they just put in there and you can dwell on later you know they don't go right this is we're going to break it down and tell you what actually who was right who was wrong it's just presented um which is kind of i guess the the, the shade of gray it's one of the shades of gray possibly um the next big storyline i feel is is the abortion clinic bombing because that then you yes. know we have we have many different people different strands that come from there and different different people um so you know this clinic which isn't just giving abortions it also you know treats it it treats people for prenatal care it it helps people family plan it offers a wide range of things you know you can be pregnant and go there and get help rather it's not just yeah it's it's like it's it's planned parenthood which as you know as, as as we know it's under attack in um in a lot in, in lots of areas of America, but it's not as you say, it's not just abortion, it is prenatal care. It's helping mothers. Yeah, well it's this it's this weird kids. thing that comes up in here, but this idea of being pro-life, but then not not realizing that actually yeah. these clinics also are helping women who are pregnant yeah. to, to to look after the baby, grow the baby and keep the baby safe and healthy. Yeah. So it's that real lack of an it's a real lack of understanding and not yeah. being able to see so it's you know that, we, yeah. yeah it's like chucking chucking a sledgehammer at a panel pin yeah you know it's if if they think the panel pin is the problem yeah they'll go after it with every single yeah. weapon in their arsenal but actually as you say it's planned parenthood it is all of the above it's about caring for expectant mothers both those who are and are not going to uh, go through with their pregnancy it's about caring for them all and they're like, no, 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 no. Be- because you're doing this, you're all terrible people and absolutely awful. And therefore we can do whatever we want. And yeah, so. Exactly that. Mm. Yeah. And, and and that's where the shades of grey in this comes up. Because people yeah. feel very virulent and have their ideas about this. The thing I have to say is it's a person's body. It's nothing to do with you. We don't no. ask every man who's having, you know, Viagra or having... Uh, a vasectomy or you know it's just never mandated that way so why the hell is it mandated the other way and it's got nothing to do with anybody else whatever your feelings are you can't stop another person from seeking health care you know that's what it is 
in some ways, I feel like a man having a vasectomy, while I wouldn't say it's celebrated, it's seen as a wise move. It's like, oh, okay, fair enough, that makes sense. You don't have any more kids. Yeah. Whereas for a woman, yeah. it's, it's like, but you're giving away a beautiful gift. Yeah, and they you're actually... You're shutting down the factory. Yes. Yeah, and, and, and I've known and read of stories of women who who have got a lot of issues with with their reproductive you know cause them yeah. a lot of pain and they doctors won't remove it because they say at some point you might want a child it's yes, just it's always yeah you know it's always up there and in a way that it just isn't for men so I do have a lot of issues and I have a lot of issues with one of the storylines which we will get into um and I'm very angry at ER actually this week but uh because I just feel what they did was really unnecessary so um I'm going to go down the Anna Anna Weaver route because this is the storyline as well, part of the storyline um, that makes me angry. But, well, it's interesting because we did have Anna recently being accused of her faith possibly yeah. being in the way of making a good clinical judgment. And she very much was like, no, I'm here for the mother. We saw that side. This week, you know, one of the patients that is brought in is a lady who's having what Anna deems is a late term abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and, she was 18 weeks. Yes, which I think actually is, I'm sure in America it's it's 20 or 22 or something weeks rather than 18. So I thought that I was really... Uh, is this, yeah, is this more of a personal judgment statement, 18 weeks is late stage or is what... it medically that's what stage. i was thinking i don't i have to say I, i'm not i don't know about what the american thing is i'm i'm going off an episode of veep i saw which was all about abortion and they all have they're all trying to pick a week in oh that, that's oh god which yeah. is one of the best episodes ever but um so she, so this lady comes in she was looking for a late you know we see that she's was there for a late term what what Anna deems a late term abortion the clinic obviously did not feel that way because they were ready to do this you know help her but they were bombed um and Weaver comes in and Anna's trying to treat her and Anna kind of comments on the fact that she what she calls is a late term abortion and Weaver's just like come on let's carry on and Anna freezes she just can't yeah do it I so yeah so this is one of those things where the question of belief versus duty yes. comes to mind. Um, and I did, I sort of wondered where we were going over the last couple of episodes where, you know, oh, okay. Cause was it, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before where it was like very suddenly, Anna, you're a Catholic. Okie dokie then. <laughs> um, and it did, it seemed a bit kind of like, that. It, honestly, it seemed a little bit forced, right? Yeah. No, I think it, it was handled well then, but the fact that it was just dropped in yeah, um, felt but, like they've got an agenda all of a sudden. Yeah, and and here we go. So, was she being I, too agreeable or too nice? For what, too not as in she's not creating enough drama. Do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. And they needed to make some conflict, some drama out there. I don't know. I think if Maggie was the doctor on call here. Um, well, we've seen enough of her, uh, say, just beliefs in general yeah. that, yep, okay, cool. And I think it was it was to be presented as, you know, this moral dilemma and Anna, who is very clearly a good person, you know, that was the point that she's a good person and unfortunately her own beliefs got in the way. And uh, actually, I, I, I want to pause what I'm saying there for a second because, Sharon, I'd love to see 
where the remainder of this storyline, because I was also not very happy no. with the way they depicted. Oh, it made me so angry. It's so yeah. unhelpful. So, you know, Anna freezes. Weaver basically has to complete the abortion yeah. and later finds Anna and kind of tries to talk to her about it because she said, you know, you, you, and she talks about her own experiences when she worked in Africa. And again, yeah. I really take issue with the fact that she said Africa rather than a country in Africa because there's yep. this real sense of right. Africa's this pl- one place anyway. She says in Africa, you know, uh, it was abortion was illegal. So she saw a lot of women kind of and girls coming in with issues because they tried to, you know, get rid of babies at home and it caused trouble elsewhere. And also she was very much we do not have a right. Our job is to treat. If a person comes in and they need something, it's not up to us to moralize or do that. You do the best for the patient. You do what the patient wants. You have to leave that outside even if you don't agree with whatever the patient is asking for, that's what the bottom line is. And Anna very truthfully says she's not sure yeah. if she would freeze again. She doesn't know. She just, it, and I, it, it did feel very much like it was a shock to her. Like she says, oh, if you woke up, if I woke up in the morning, you said, are you pro, you know, choice? I would have been like, of course, but then this has come in. So she does also seem quite shocked. Mm. The bit that makes me so angry, and I'm going to leave Anna here. I'm going to go with Weaver at this point because the lady has woken up and, you know, she's had her abortion and she comes to talk to Weaver, to thank Weaver. And and then she says, and this is, oh God, okay, it's going to come out. I'm sorry, I'm really angry. She basically says, oh, I use abortion as my birth control because I don't want my partners don't really, you know, I wanted to have this baby. My partner didn't. So I'm getting rid of it. Um, this is what I always kind of do. I um, don't use other things because I don't want hormones making me fat. And I don't want, um, and my partner doesn't like, or men I sleep with don't really like using condoms. Right. The reason I'm angry about this is because this is exactly the line that people who oppose abortion use they act like this is what women do and I also have a real issue with the idea that a woman would use abortion this way um and I think the reason I'm angry is even if there are women out there number one not our business not our business to judge not our business to number two why use the one thing it's a bit like going you know when somebody goes right Everybody on the doll is is lazy. Yeah. And then a storyline, the whole storyline they use is is somebody being lazy rather than going, that's just a really hideous stereotype, which we don't is not really yeah. that helpful to explore or use. And I was really shocked at this, uh, the way that ER dealt with this, because they're normally so progressive and they're normally so yeah good at being very unjudgmental but I thought by using this this woman and using this really lazy dangerous stereotype and trope it's just gonna make people angry or upset or go actually this is what something like abortion which is so highly contested it was really unhelpful of them to do that and that's why I was angry I agree and it 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 basically ends with Weaver more or less apologizing to Anna, which in the way it's being framed 
makes it look as though Anna was the one who was right to not yes. carry out the abortion. The patient doubled down on that because, oh, you know, I just have an abortion every other week. Yeah. And Weaver was the one who went through with the procedure. You know, I really, I, I, I don't like how ER framed it this week because yeah. it's quite judgmental. So judgmental. And yes. it really is. It's not a shade of grey. They're really painting no. this person as actually Anna was right to not. And mm. and if we play the scenario out that Anna didn't, you know, perform the abortion and nobody did, and we force this woman to have this child and then the child ends up in care or the child ends yeah. up being brought up by a mother who can't look after it or doesn't want to look after it and a resentful father and abuse. You know, there was a, there was a study when abortion first became kind of what, available and widely accepted crime actually went down a certain number of years later because kids who were born were chosen and wanted yeah. and there was less of the abuse and neglect and all that stuff which can then lead people down wrong paths and doing crime and that's what it is for me that you would force a woman and birth is not an easy thing and pregnancy is not an easy thing yeah regardless of her lifestyle if she comes in every other day for one I do not give a crap because nobody ever talks about men the same way or says that men should be as responsible in any way you know nobody's saying get the men need to get vasectomies you know it's it's always on the woman and I was I just thought it was very bad form of ER to use that it's it it was such a barely two-dimensional depiction of that character as well like um as you say it's it's not a binary situation you know abortion it's not as straightforward and that woman might have had a really horrible relationship with her mother and didn't want to push that down that way um she's sex positive which is Actually, I think we, to be judged. regardless it's none of our businesses yeah it's exactly. none of our exactly. businesses whether you believe it or not that is her body is her yeah. choice that it, is it, how it, I feel it goes back all the way to the pilot when Carol is being wheeled in on a gurney and I think it's Lydia says why do you think she did it and Mark goes we wouldn't ask that of any other patient we're not yes. asking it of this one yeah, exactly. Uh, so ER made that its mission statement in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. And it, sorry, ER, you betrayed your own message in this you episode. You did. I, uh, yeah. It was too lazy for me. It was too easy to fall back on this really, and and no understanding for me as to why they did that. They, I just was mm. like, I felt betrayed. I thought this isn't what you stand for and it shouldn't be what you stand for, actually. Um, so, yeah, well... You know, the whole thing as well about the way the abortion clinic is, the whole bombing is set up as well. So we've got we've got the fact that that protesters bombed it. They're pro-life protesters, but they bombed it, which causes harm and possible death to people. Um, We hear that, you know, we know how contentious it can get. We see that we've seen uh, we see um, Weaver and Jerry, you know, on the phone to different investigative journalists and stuff who were all trying to get the scoop on this story because this is something we report about because it's so hot button and we also hear the protesters are coming in and we need to keep them away so we know how tense this whole thing is um so Anna has that moment where she's kind of shocked herself that she wouldn't perform this and she kind of froze and wasn't able to do that she's then treating a lady called Mrs Martinez who kind of comes in and seems very innocuous you know she's got something in her eye uh she needs a bit of help um 
and Anana's sitting with her and they're talking and it all starts out very like oh those thugs and how dare they kind of do this thing and Mrs Martinez talks about how she marched with Dr King you know really invoking yeah. oh you know everything's great um I thought we would have learned and you really think they're going to lead you one way turns out actually she has a really hideous sign she's one of the uh, protesters yes. with like a really what's the word it's very manipulative kind of black melee type sign very um very very violent and aggressive yeah um it's it's one of those things that it's hard to put to say you're on the other side of the issue because it it, it forces you to 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 be like yeah i wouldn't like that bloody image to be a thing mm-hmm. that shouldn't that should never be part of the debate it's not for us again to ever yeah um um, so they have that reckoning with Anna where Anna's kind of like, oh, no, actually, you are part of the problem, which I, I do agree with because it it really helps to rile people up. We know propaganda is images. It's, mm-hmm. it, that's how it's always been. Um, and I thought that was interesting that they they brought that up, that they she kind of, Anna held her as much at fault as kind of the people who bomb. Yeah, it, it's that, as you said earlier, it's that kind of where does pro-life as a phrase, which I've always thought was emotional blackmail, just the Absolutely. the whole phrase. Because it's, and we know it's not true because they do yeah. not give a crap about people when they're born. That's exactly. It. We will fight like tooth and nail so that you will be carried to term. Best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. not going to give you healthcare. Not going to yeah. give you education. Yeah, exactly. Not going to help you if things go wrong for you in your life. It's 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 control of women, and that's all it is. It's yeah. a control yeah. of women and sex and not liking women to have sex um it's it's funny it's not funny but there's an snl sketch i've i keep coming back to which is tampons designed by the republican party and it's Mm. it's such a a a great way of showing that you know republican politicians clearly have shown they know next to nothing about reproductive biology oh gosh i know women can just hold it in yeah just all this sort of exactly and like why are you in my i think there's a phrase why are you in my vagina or why are my uterus but um yeah it it is quite a darkly comic thing in that the the people who know best about my reproductive system are gop politicians it's they did a beautiful one with the clown when she was being a clown and she talked about having an and i think she used her own is it cecily Strong, maybe the names oh, I can't I remember. So um, she uses her own experience of having an abortion, and she talks. She's a, she oh, comes really? on dressed as a clown, and and she she talks about the fact that she had this thing happen, and if men needed it, and all the things she was able to go on to do because she didn't have the baby. Yeah. It's it's really beautiful, really well handled. Okay. Um, I look for that. So Anna kind of gets face to face with this kind of pro lifer who she then has a real go at. Yeah, and I think. And, and this is where I think is, is is interesting because I do think that's well handled because they're looking at the shades of grey of the different people and you can be against abortion or against certain types. I don't know. Again, I don't know what I, I'm, I don't agree with any of that. I'm very pro women having their own choice, yeah. but, and whatever that looks like for them. But um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to kind of be looking at the degrees of 
ways people feel about you know you do get the extremists who will bomb you'll get the people who will stand outside and holding horrible signs you'll get somebody who won't gets to a certain point and they can't they don't want to do an abortion on the baby you know they are trying to really look at the spectrum I guess is what I'm trying to say um and 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 again it it moves Anna further away from kind of being having that scary ideology they're saying she's not as bad and I guess that's that's interesting but um sorry I'm just too angry about that storyline no no, it's Um, it's absolutely it's yeah yeah, I can appreciate why you're so angry there is that there's another joke that if men could get abortions, there'd be a booth on every street corner. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I really do feel that way. Um, Should we talk about Carter to balance out? No, I was going to go to Doug because I thought okay. Doug's kind of the... Uh, nice try, trying to distract me. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to distract you. I'm just... <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> okay. um, no dice this time. Uh, just because I thought... Uh, Sorry. I, I just so, thought it'd yeah. be interesting to kind of go to kind of the other side of yeah of mm. what happens because we've 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 done the abortion side now we're on the side of you know a woman has come in she was there for healthcare reasons she is pregnant she was there she's young she's with her partner and and Doug picks her up and takes her kind of um yeah yeah to, straight through to look after it. her straight through um, um and she's obviously very scared. She's young. She's, yeah. um, I think her name is Zoe. Um, she's it's young. Zoe, yeah. She's uh, uh, scared. Uh, her partner's there. It's really horrible because actually what ends up happening, like you say, is she she loses consciousness and she, she basically crashes and they bring are able to bring her back, but she's been deprived of oxygen, so much oxygen. She's basically brain damaged and she can't yeah. come back in a meaningful way. Um, and it posits this idea of 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 so she's pregnant she's got the baby this choice comes down to keep her alive as like an incubator to keep the baby going or take the baby out now allow her to pass away and then you know put the baby in special you know the NICU basically to to, to, until they can hopefully you know if they survive they will be able to leave one day so that actually there was a case in ireland in the last couple of years where this exact question came up because until very 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 recently um it was illegal to perform an abortion at, at any stage in ireland yeah and yes. this happened there was a unfortunately a tragic incident where the mother was effectively brain dead and no one could do anything about it because she was pregnant. The baby, for all intents and purposes, was fine. Um, I Obviously, I, I'm not naming any names. That's, that's not the point of this. The point is that they were somewhat hamstrung by the fact of like, well, they couldn't take her off ventilation because it would have been effectively, illegally, if you like, uh, carrying out an abortion, even though it obviously wasn't. But it would have ended the life of the child. Um, this has, there's, there's obviously other tragic cases as well. And I was very, I suppose, interested as a grim word really to assign to this episode, but I was interested about how this story played out that you had, you know, a loving father, um, which is not often the case in sometimes when there's tragic stories like this, um, 
And because he's a minor, her parents just said, nope, you're an awful human being. You yeah. you have taken our daughter from us twice because they blame him straight away for the fact straight that some off, yeah. crazy person blew up the clinic they were in. Of course. Even though and, they were true. Yeah, he was, for, for what we learn of him, what we know of him is he was there with his partner yeah. to get health care. Yeah. So to us, he seems like he's he's on the right kind of path. But there you uh, go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're they're like, we're, we're going to sue for uh, custody oh, of the custody, baby. Custody, yeah. Um, like, I mean, I I don't I don't know what the legal standing is there because there's so much we don't know about the story. He might be a minor, but he might be 17 and three months, you know, by the time yeah. he gives birth absolutely um so yeah so i it was just one of those i felt for doug right no not well i mean obviously i always feel for doug but what i mean (laughs) is that feel for doug or feel doug a little bit of column a a (laughs) when when the young man turns to doug and says can they do that doug literally has nothing he can say yeah because the answer is yes absolutely they can do that they are her legal guardians as long as she is still alive as long as her heart is beating they are and so yeah it was just it was like in a way because of the way it looks like it's going to play out nobody wins yes yeah well because there's this whole discussion at the beginning you know the 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 decision is kind of with the partner because the parents haven't turned up yet and it's and he's kind of trying to figure it out and then the um the parents come in and I think he's favoring he says you know she would have wanted to you know to save the girl the baby that they're going to have so he he's electing more towards keeping her alive and that's got its own things there are people who are very against that and saying you know you're using a woman's body as an incubator and then you're saying they're nothing more and on the other hand like I I was thinking about if it had been me and actually I would want to do anything in my power to keep my baby safe so if that means keeping me alive for a bit longer in the coma and then I pass away that would be my personal thing um but um you know so then the parents come in and they're very angry and I don't know the sense I got was that you know that maybe they weren't the great parents they seem to think they are Mm -hmm. maybe there was a reason she'd left just from the way they behave and the way they treat the poor guy yeah I was, I was that kind of thinking that the dad seemed to be driving a lot of this. Oh yeah. And the mum was kind of, you get the impression that she was trying to be the middle ground a little bit, but she wasn't at all. At the end, she said, you, "I think she's the one who said you took our daughter away twice." Yeah. And I think, oh. I, and what I think is, um, so, and originally at the beginning, you know, when they first get told, they're very against the fact that they would keep her alive for the baby and then all of a sudden it turns into and it feels a bit horrible because it feels a bit like we don't want you telling us what to do with our our daughter and controlling our daughter and then it turns out actually but the way we can control you is if we keep our daughter alive and then take the baby and that's what's going to cause the most hurt which I again doesn't paint them in the greatest light also got to put my hands up you know I can't judge them because they're obviously going through grief and I don't know what had happened in their life or whatever but it just feels it just feels like a moment where you go, actually, life is so short and precious that maybe we need to look at a way to make this work for all of us and we can all bring this baby into the world. And the baby already doesn't have a mom and now it's not going to have a dad because you forcibly, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so it kind of puts that 
that those interesting things aside they yeah as we say they decide to keep the baby but keep the lady sorry their daughter alive to birth the baby at full term and then they're going to go for custody and they block the the partner out which you know is really hard to watch because as we say you know he seems so far to be doing all the right things um and that must just be hideous to lose your partner and then your child all in the same breath kind of the same day um and he's young so I thought that was a really interesting story to look at and to, to to really highlight that actually also these clinics are about healthcare and 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 kind of prenatal care as well. Um, so that's kind of the the Doug. Um, I was then going to go into Carol because again she treats. She's been running around all day and helping mm. out where she can, but she ends up treating a lady who who's an older lady actually and she had had gone to the hospital for an abortion because she had been completely shocked she could get pregnant still um and basically she's at the point where all her children are now gone Uh, they've paid for university for them all they they're at this different stage in their life so she doesn't want to tell her husband um because she knows that he'll feel like yes we need to have this baby he wouldn't be able to say no and she just feels like actually we're at this point where we've We've worked so hard and we need that break, um, which I think, again, it's another, it just shows a whole other range of what what people might go into this kind of clinic for. And, and, and this is a very, she looked like she was very, you know, quite middle class. She had mm. very articulate. She's very educated. She knew exactly what it was she wanted. She'd reasoned it out. She didn't come in crying and wailing about it. She was very much like, actually, this is, you know, the, the different faces of people who have, have to make that choice and maybe it isn't the worst choice for everybody and we always look at kind of abortion and oftentimes it's been painted as you know uh, this evil act and everybody gets broken by it but actually there are women out there who are like I'm grateful I got to have mine because this is the life I now have you know yeah um and I thought that was a nice little touch to kind of have her and Carol have that that moment where you see this other side and then Carol said because she doesn't want to tell her partner and she doesn't want her partner to even know that she was at the hospital and and Carol says to you know just you could have had that same kind of mark from a bite a dog bite so she's given her a little story in an alibi which I thought was was as nice a nice moment um it was it was it was, it was, it was nice all because it was she wasn't breaking any rules. There was no yeah. kind of no writing anything on pieces of paper, which can immediately get you in big, you know, trouble and everything. Yeah. And also, I thought it was, it, 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 I, I, there was a lot of conscious decisions. Some we definitely do not agree with in the episode, episode but this one I do. That mm-hmm. Same. it's quite easy to, I think, write off a younger person going in for an abortion because you yeah. can just sort of go, oh yeah well look they're scared and they don't want to do this and I'm just saying I'm not saying I do I'm just saying I can however when you have someone who she says she has grown up children she is in a happily married situation you know you're kind of like well she probably didn't have a panic attack before doing this yeah exactly we don't get to write her off as a hysterical teen yeah. Like who made a ch- wrong choice yeah, exactly. on a dark night you know and got drunk and mm. all the stuff that you would normally they were just they're married she didn't realize she could still get pregnant actually she can but she's at a point where she's like no my choice for me is this yeah. and she's allowed to have that choice you know yeah. 
Um, I agree. I, 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 that part, I thought, great, great storyline. Um, I'm now going to move us into Carter. I think Carter's... Yes. Because he has an interesting week, you know. We, we, it actually opens a whole episode on him because he's in the loan office trying to get a loan and he's never worked before and he has no idea how the world works. He talks about this yacht he was on. Oh, God. He, he was one of those <laughs> so moments privileged. where... I know, I, I could have slapped Carter. I'm like... I was in the Whitbread and we weren't, we earned a few thousand dollars, but we had to spend it all. And, but we kept size between Australia and New Zealand. I was like, oh. I mean, I wouldn't give him a The way he presents himself in this scene, I wouldn't give him a Oh, God. I just think there's no, no uh, reason to, like, there's no. He's not going to pay it back. He's not going to pay it back. That's the thing. There's no history of of responsibility, of of fiscal responsibility. So absolutely not. And the guy says that says, you know, get your granddad to sign off. And he's like, you know, I can't because, again, it's he's really trying to get away from his granddad. And, um, uh, you know, and then we get he gets into work and he looks after a very well, the first patient he looks after is a um, is I think maybe a bit kind of a mentally disturbed man who he didn't realize was as bad as he was and he kind of put him in this room and he starts attacking or not attacking but he's he's very excitedly talking to this girl who's having quite a bad panic you know uh, sorry asthma attack and 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 I think this whole moment is just underlined again that storyline of of you know of George Clooney yeah just George. <laughs> uh, interchangeable yeah the same person of of Doctor Ross you know of Doug kind of being like well nobody cares about peds you know he, his thing is we don't have a separate yeah. place to put the the children so they get exposed to kind of people like this and he kind of has a bit of a go at at Paul Carter um, who was like I didn't know I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> And then, and then Mr. Newton comes in, and Mr. Newton is an older man, and he, he's quite, um, you know, he's does he's not really what's the word you and you're not um, compassmentous. That's it, yeah. Like, yeah, and he's, and they, and and so you know, he comes in with his son, and Carter's ordering a bunch of tests, and the son's like, you don't need to, he just needs antibiotics, and Carter's like. So we get this sense of this son, you know, he's very worried about cost and very like, just give us this. Whereas you feel like, I don't know, a different child might be like, actually do everything you need to do. And I'm very worried and I'm scared. You know, he's just like, whatever. He's always getting sick like this. Um, mm. You're kind of like, well, that's that's your red flag. First of all, what do you mean he's <laughs> always getting sick. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so Carter does all the tests and stuff and they actually, when they they just look at him, they realise he's severely neglected you know he's got mm-hmm. bed sores to the bone Ooh. oh bed sores are horrific like oh. i mean what is wrong with people that you don't <sighs> turn someone i mean if nothing that's yeah. all that's all it is that's yeah anyway yeah right. i don't yeah i don't so a lot of neglect seems to be happening so he rightly calls in social services and he signs off on the order and uh, he tells the son who obviously gets very angry and wants to call his lawyer. And then he, um, you know, they, they, they basically, they rehydrate Mr. Newton. He starts being able to speak again and he's more lucid and he realizes he's been taken from his son and he starts to cry and say, he doesn't want to leave, mm. which leads Carter to try and reverse the, um, the order, which I was confused by because I thought, 
anybody who's abused often will want to go back to the abuser because that's unfortunately Mm. the nature of abuse but also you can see how badly he's being abused you know he's going to be safer Mm -hmm. I didn't understand why he had this change of heart all of a sudden and he's trying to send this guy back I it just seems like it's like he was trying to do path of least resistance, but then even that doesn't seem to work because like, social services were literally there. Yeah. yeah. Like all he had to do was like, good luck, Mr. Lawrence. Yeah. Is um, it, like you say, at the end of the day, yeah, the guy wants to die at home. At the same time, he shouldn't have to suffer these horrendous... They're making him worse. That's hastening not his death. safe, you know. Yeah, it, yeah. What you want and what is good for you aren't the same mm. thing. And as a doctor, I feel like you should be doing, you know, that's where you should be doing what is best for your patient rather than, yeah. you know, I might go in and be like, I want to eat six million chocolate fudge cakes this every day. And, Ooh. you know, and, and the, it's kind of the doctor to be like, you, you can't, yeah. you know, you, they can't just be like, all right, then come on, go ahead. You know, they have to be like, these are the dangers. Or if there's a way to stop me from doing that, they, they should be putting that in place is how I feel. So I wasn't, I didn't really understand that storyline, but. Not really. No. But, but it happened. And... Yeah, this episode, <laughs> I'm getting the impression, is not the best written ever episode of ER. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's. I think I think they brought out really big guns on a couple of you know I felt, felt mm. like Benton and Morganstone was handled really well I really liked yeah. the Carol I I thought what they the plan for the abortion thing would have been very interesting if they hadn't have taken the route they took with Anna yes. I think if yes. they'd you know she could have had the late term her freaking out it was the the woman waking up and being like yeah man I would do this all the time yeah, you know yeah. that for me was where I lost it lost me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Carter, it's very strange. But I mean, it ends with, you know, with Doug taking Carter out for dinner so they can discuss yeah, things, which I thought was really cute. Um, but also, it made me laugh a lot because this is where, so we're going to come to Jeannie next, but Jeannie comes into the hospital at this point and they say, oh, how's the rain? And she says, oh, it's not so bad. And then the next scene is of Corday looking out at torrential rain. Yeah. And Benta coming in soaking and I'm thinking... Jeannie, where are you? Yes, maybe her head is elsewhere. So, yes. so and I sort of know what she means, and there is sort of a romantic element to a really heavy downpour, just clearing the air, especially if it's been humid. Well, it's not been humid because it's Chicago in February or March, but it's <laughs> true. Yeah, probably still freezing cold. So sheet but... ice is falling down. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. And Jeannie's like, whatever, this is fine, because you know what, yeah. Jeannie's been through worse. She's like, whatever, it's just a bit of sheet ice. Oh, I've had yeah, worse yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so this week, it you know, we learned quite early on that it's the funeral, it's Scotty's funeral, which it, it all feels so quick, doesn't it? Oh, Question. Sort of... Yes, quick. go. So I know how I feel about this. How did you feel about doing it off screen? Uh, Scotty's death. I, 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 I thought there was more. I thought there was, I, I forgot there wasn't an episode in the middle to see Scott decline. Yeah. But it was, it was like, it, but they went from decision not to have any more chemo to dead yes one of a less severe description but i felt it disconnected me from it because we didn't see it not that i want to see it but i just felt like it it was a decision wasn't it it was like do we want to see this poor lad fall apart for want of a better term again but it could have been peaceful couldn't it yeah it could have been it could have been been peaceful as well it could have even happened at the end of the last episode yeah. where they make that decision and then she watches him kind of fall asleep and, and go in. You know, I think yeah. 
yeah, it, 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 I felt the impact of the funeral was a bit less because we didn't see the death. And that sounds weird because I'm asking to see a child die. But I, I mean, I, yes, that is the literal act. But I think it, there's yeah. a resolution to their relationship that we lost yeah. by, by removing that scene. And it is beautiful to, as, as funerals go. I mean, obviously, it's very sad, but Jeannie sings a little bit of time of your life. So yeah. Gloria Rubin, beautifully, beautifully sung. I also love that. It's one of those songs that just, even if you don't like it, you still like it. It's one of those songs, you know. It, it um, makes you feel something. You, yes. know, you can't listen to that yeah. and not kind of feel it. It's got so many kind of meanings and so many. Yeah, it's yeah. a really, really great piece of music. I think. And I absolutely I commend John Elward for Anspa on this oh, because yes. I do. I very much like the fact that he didn't cry. I think yeah. it's very much in character with Anne Spock. Yeah, yeah. I agree. The stoic agree. soldier. Yes. Well, it's it's interesting because you know we learn a bit more again about him because you know it starts out with him and kind of Jeannie in in Scotty's room and and he hands Jeannie the box that you know yeah. he, Scotty had purposely put aside and it's got the CD. Oh, it's so beautiful. Um, and he talks about the fact that he doesn't like his wife's church; it's too austere. You know, it, he and then he talks about the past and how his his wife was a Quaker and her family was all yeah. these lovely little kind of sensible Quakers. And he was this, you know, I fought in wars army guy and, and they were a bit scared, not scared by him, but they were just, they, he wasn't their kind of people, I guess. And, and you saw kind of maybe the friction that might've been between him and trying to, for him and his wife and the stuff that they may have faced. Um, so, you know, he talks about that, you know, being this big army guy, he tells Jeannie about the fact that, he, you know, he gives her the box and it's it's all very beautiful. And then later we're at the funeral and, and Jeannie's actually stayed in to after she, after we hear kind of the her sing the song later, she's she's just sitting contemplating actually in the in the um and actually the church I thought was really somber and plain, but I thought it worked really well for this scene, you know. So, so yeah, I sort of remembered from when I most did in my most recent rewatch that it was a Quaker service. And I'm deep in Quaker country here, living in Bourneville. I was going to say, I was yeah, going to yeah. say, that's Quaker so, land. Yeah, Bourneville in Birmingham, for those who don't know, and please don't try and track me down. Um, obviously, <laughs> it's the home of the Cadbury factories where Cadbury started. Yeah. Sony played, you know, Lord Cadbury was a big Quaker and he built a village yeah. for his workers Chocolate to live in. Beautiful. Exactly, yeah. And there's there's playing fields and swimming baths and schools and all sorts. But because he was a Quaker, it's a dry, it's not a dry county, it's a dry suburb. Mm. There are no pubs. And I think it's still again illegal I, to drink. I think so. Yeah, I think that it you is can't as well. buy. I, I don't think there's any licensed premises at all in Bourneville. I might be wrong. Yeah, and there I don't think you no can pubs. drink outside, like you can't yeah, yeah. walk around and be drinking outside in Bourneville it's very interesting how it's it's yeah, remained that way it is gorgeous and, the, and Bourneville yeah. village green if you ever get the chance oh. it's so picture perfect and it all smells of chocolate in the factory <laughs> I honestly I'm so close to the factory and I can't smell it I must be oh like my gosh. immune but um but yeah the Quakers I know a couple of Quakers and that is the way they do things they're, they're sort of what you'd call low church in that it's very simplistic it's like the Methodists there's no or the Puritans, is that they sort of started around the same time around the English Civil War, that it is very austere. It is basically, it's just a relationship between you and God. There's no gold. There's no elaborate ceremonies. Basically, in a Quaker service, you just sit around 
and even it's even in an episode of um, Fleabag. Uh, you, you just basically, when the spirit moves you, you stand up and speak, and that's how the funeral exactly, and that's how the funeral was. Um, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Anspar was either like a Catholic or some Protestant denomination, which is what they call high church, with with all your pomp and ceremony, with your hymns, with your choir boys and all that business. And it's funny because I I really, I mean, there's a lot of kind of imagery, religious imagery, and especially like Catholic, that can be very beautiful. And, you know, you go into some of these, the the churches and they're stunning, but then the other side of me is very like, could the money be used elsewhere? What are we kind of saying about God? And, and, <laughs> and, uh, I've never know, seen Sean so emphatically nod about, about anything. Nodding. Um, yeah, yeah. But I just thought it was a really beautiful setting. Jeannie's kind of just because I bet you're in there and you're not distracted by anything. So you are just thinking kind of about Scotty or God mm, or whatever. Yeah. And and Jeannie's in there contemplating and, and Ants Bar comes. And this is one of my favourite scenes because it's that real moment of exchanging really beautiful messages in this really tough time and we get you know Anspar says I found his journal and I know I shouldn't have looked at it but I I did because I just felt so out of touch with him and and he tells you know Jeannie just he, he found a note where it said Jeannie just got it she just understood she, you know I never had to explain and, and that I think will give some comfort to Jeannie yeah. and then and then Jeannie said, well, do you know what he wanted to be? And this is a real shock, I think, for, to all of us, because all of us yeah. had, I don't know, in my head, I thought maybe rock star or hot rod rider, you know, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And apparently he wanted to be in the army and mm. Anspar had no idea. And I think that was just the most beautiful tribute that anybody could, you know, he was raised in this way and Anspar thinks he made probably no real impact on his son. And actually it turns out all along yeah. his son was idealising him and, and it was that nice comfort in between kind of that the hideousness of the horrible situation um and yeah that kind of kind of puts a bow on that storyline sadly but that, that's a beautiful bow yeah very beautiful bow an austere bow but beautiful nonetheless um and that's the episode that is actually isn't it yeah oh yeah how did we get here um we got here we got here <laughs> yeah, that's um yeah that's yeah. everyone uh, Green doesn't have much. He kind of is in and out a bit, but not really doing a lot. He's kind of with Benton yeah. helping, but yeah, that's it really. Um, any Ibers? I've got one. I have got one. Yes. Sharon, do you want to go first? Okay. I've got Artie Lafleur, who played the dad, Miles. Oh, okay. And I know him from, I mean, he has been in everything, but the oh, thing really? I know oh, okay. him from most is the Santa Claus films, where he plays the Tooth Fairy. Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, okay. He, it's really funny. Um, is that he, the Tim Allen Santa Claus? Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. He, and he, he's obsessed because he wants to get his name changed from the Tooth Fairy and he wants it to be, he wants like the Toothinator and he's, and they're all just saying, <laughs> no, you can't have it. Um, he was also in Ace Ventura, Doogie Howser MD, Malcolm in the middle a cinderella wow. story boy meets world baywatch field of dreams he was prolific he actually passed away last november which i was really sad wow. to read because i didn't realize but yeah he was prolific you probably would have seen him in something uh but in this episode he played the dad miles who was very angry yes very mm-hmm. uh sean uh i have mark lawrence who played <laughs> mr yeah, uh, yeah who played uh mr newman and I know him from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, where he played <laughs> Mr. Zemo, oh, who they had Zemo. to get him his money. 
I like the yeah. Zemo. Where's and, my money? Uh, where, where's my money? Uh, this That's, is not us yes, doing a parody. That is exactly the way he spoke in the yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I also do you have one? Because I just I just got another one that I didn't realize. I do. I just wanted to mention about Mark Lawrence was also in two Bond films: <gasps> Diamonds Are Forever and The Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden Gun is one of my favorite James Diamonds Bond films. Are forever. <laughs> forever. Okay, it's oh. classic Shirley Bassey. Um, mm. Uh, but he was also in From Dust Till Dawn, loads of other stuff. But I've got is this one you've got, Sean Christine Rose. Christine Rose, yes, exactly. Yeah, so who played the older lady who was having the abortion that um was hanging out with Carol? She has been in so much stuff. So, yeah, I knew her initially from Heroes, where she played uh, Angela Petrelli, um, one of the main characters, really. Um, in Heroes, she comes across as very very stiff and kind of waspy and uh, and sort of East Coast affluent. Yes. Um, but she has a good good story in the, sh- in the show, actually. But she's been in loads of stuff. She was Bitsy Hannigan in Friends, which is Phoebe's mother-in-law. Yes. Um, she's in Gilmore Girls. Which is interesting because, um, you know, Heroes had... Had Milo Ventimiglia in it, oh, didn't it? So, yeah. Team Jess. Anyway, yep, carry on. <laughs> um, she was in The Mentalist. Uh, she was in a, t- a Next Generation episode, a couple of episodes. Uh, she was also um, Ted Mosby's mum oh. in How I Met Your Mother, oh, Virginia yeah. Mosby. Old Mosby, eh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, loads of other stuff. But that's the ones I definitely remember her from. All right, I yeah. think that's. Uh, I didn't have anybody else anyway. Cool. Uh, so uh, just a quick one on the medical condition. So you know when Benton is straddling that gurney all the way up to the surgical. Uh, oh, do we surgical floor? Yeah, yeah. So he mentions that he's she's got a cardiac tamponade, which basically um, there's a fluid buildup in the sac surrounding the heart, which compresses the heart, and so it pushes blood out. To the rest of the body, and um, it can result in our org- organ failure. I don't know where that went. Organ failure and septic shocks leading to death. Ooh. So it can be, yeah. It's it's obviously where the heart is damaged. Um, so yeah, that's basically cardiac tamponade. Wow, I've heard of that. Wow, yeah. I've I've always wondered because that comes up a few times, yeah, yeah. and it's a. Uh... It's like lavage and tamponade of the two. Yes. And was like, what? What's that mean? <laughs> Um, and we're calling it. Thanks for listening to our podcast about everything ER. Don't forget you can find us on social media on Instagram at you set the tone pod and at set underscore pod on Twitter. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. And remember, you set the tone. Mm-hmm.